Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Ghostin Paul. I'm the host of the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. Take Nothing When I Die amplifies and celebrates the wisdom and genius of people who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime. Welcome. You made it to the mid-season finale. This is the Take Nothing When I Die season two, episode seven, and we're going to be on hiatus until August. So if you are not in the know, you got to go back to our previous episode, episode six, where we had a crossover podcast episode with the men of Let Me Introduce Myself. And I let folks know that my partner and I are pregnant. We're expecting a healthy bouncing baby sometime in the beginning of May. And so we are both, and especially for me, I'm taking some time off, which is why the podcast will be in hiatus for four months mid-year instead of the four months at the end of the year, like last year. So what this means for you (laughs) is that as I'm spending time being present for the first few months of baby's life, which of course it's hopefully to be continued. You have some time to check out the rest of this season. So season two and anything you missed in season one, what I've heard is that folks have been so excited and inspired to check out episodes that were really impactful for them. So I encourage you to revisit whatever nourishes you and then please tell a friend or two. So this solo episode, which is also the mid season finale before we head to break, is all about birth. And don't worry, you don't have to have birthed. It's not really related to what body you have or what gender you are. But I know that each of us, if you are listening, you are putting out something in the world. You are creative, you are a creator, you are a motivator, you're an inspirator, you're a writer, you might be an author, maybe you are an inventor, Maybe you're a cure. I don't know what your title is, but we are all birthing something, something out in the world. So we're going to talk about that, some lessons that I've learned through my experience of birthing and going through the birthing process of birthing a human and how it's related to what you might be birthing. So I'm really excited to talk about that. As usual, we'll have the solo segments for this episode. And so the first one is how you doing the for real, for real version. And y'all, I am T.I. red. Okay, I'm tired. I am in this cycle of I'm not sleeping as well because I'm obviously getting bigger and baby's getting bigger. I'm getting up early and can't go back to sleep. So I'm taking an early nap. I'm taking an afternoon nap. Sometimes I'm taking an evening nap, just trying to nap too close to bed because then the cycle starts all over again. I also am recognizing I'm making a whole human. Like there's a whole human inside of me. And this is another job that I hold throughout the day. The second solo segment is about how I'm healing my timelines. And of course, this is about honoring who has come before me and healing the mixed timelines that I am part of. And where I'm sitting with this today is something that I'm doing to heal my timelines is to really stand in my power. I think I mentioned this on the first episode, the opening episode of this season, but I have started to notice more areas of my life 
where I'm waiting for others to act, to make a decision, to step up. And I think there's no time like the present. One of my friends, a page says, we need to take up more space. We are the ones like for too long, the wrong people have taken up space. It's our turn. So that phrase, listen to black women. I am black women. Black women is me. I'm the person that they're talking to. And so knowing that people are looking to me or want to look to me, it's really encouraged me to really step into and stand in my power. This has been so apparent, apparent, (laughs) here we go, the parent puns. This has been so apparent in my parenting journey so far. There's so much that we get to choose before babies are even earthside. And I keep looking for someone else to make that decision. I'm like, okay, who, well, what the doctor say? Or what, what, what's common here? What do people on the internet say? I'm like, oh, I'm the parent. I actually get to make the decision. So it's just really interesting thinking about that transition and how it relates to me stepping into and also being very mindful and intentional about the power that I hold. Third solo segment is what are you spreading? And of course, this is an homage to Sonia Renee Taylor, who says this. It's also a riff off of the question of what are you practicing that we were inspired by from Adrian Marie Brown from last season. And I think what I'm spreading right now is a lot of patience, a lot of patience. I am ready and very excited for baby to come. I'm also trying to be very present, which is easier said than done. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, oh my God, I can't wait to get this baby out. And I also know that people miss this precious time when they're inside of the womb. It can be for a lot of people a once in a lifetime experience, and it certainly is a miracle. And the same is happening in my quote unquote professional sphere. I'm going to be taking some time off, as y'all know, from April to August. And just to be able to hold space for organizations as they go through different cycles. Some of the clients I'm working with, they're going through budget issues Some are going through some really difficult team dynamics and it's really easy to turn reactive. Oh, we got to fix this. We got to get this done urgently. We got to, and we got to do it perfectly and we got to wrap it all up with a cute little bow. And it's been really helpful to stand in as a mirror for them to show them what have you been practicing? What have we been talking about? How is this a moment for you to spring your values into action? And then how can we look at the root of this? How can we zoom all the way out and look long-term and think sustainable? So patience has come up quite a bit for me to help folks figure out like what's really going on here and how do we want to respond? Lastly, the last solo segment is about becoming what future generations need, knowing that what I'm practicing today is creating a future for them. And I have, (laughs) whether this was on purpose or not, I have really been having to sit in the commitment to not being in control. There is so much about birthing that is not within my control. There's so much about birthing in a pandemic that is not in my control. There's so much about birthing in a pandemic as a Black person, birthing a Black person, right? There's all these ways that I don't have a lot of control. And at the same time, I think about what I've been able to figure out and to manifest and to really dive deep into, even though there was a lot I couldn't control. In 2020, I launched and maintained a podcast, y'all. 
I've had more consulting engagements in this past year than any other. It wasn't necessarily due to an uptick in responses. It was due to doing some deeper, more impactful, long-term work. So when I let go of trying to control everything and everyone, which is also a trauma response, I'm going to shout out to uh, my therapist who's helping me on that, Um, the need to try to control things. It can be part of a trauma response. But when I let that go, there's been some amazing things that have happened. And I've also been able to direct my intention, my focus, my energy, my prayers, my meditation on letting my intention lead, then showing up for the magic and the miracles that that produces. So there's so much that I can't control and I need to let go of a lot of that. And there's so much that I can. There's so many ways that I can set myself up for success or get myself prepared and let go of the end result. And I think that's what future generations need. I want to be that ancestor where they're like, oh, she rode with the flow. She did what she needed to do. She set her intentions. She set herself up. And we're in a position now that we're less worried about being in control and we're more in tune with our power of creating. And my therapist had to remind me of a very, very powerful mantra that I had, which was, I have enough. I am enough. I have what I need. And if I don't, I'll create it. I was like, who said that? (laughs) She was like, you said that. Thank you, Angelique. Getting to the main topic. And again, y'all, I'm not trying to rush. I'm just excited to talk about this because one, it's been a journey that I've been on since it's been about almost eight, eight, nine months. And I haven't gotten to talk to y'all about it. So there's been quite a bit, of course, to share And also, I do think that, again, this is universal. This is not about your body that you have or that you want, the body that you showed up in, the gender that you have. It's not even about a human baby. I really do think that it's about how do we get clear about what we are birthing into the world, whether that's the impact is hitting one, two, three people, maybe it's just our community, our friends, our family. Or we have impact on a larger scale. Again, I'm in no way suggesting that everything is comparable to the human birthing process. But there sure are a lot of similarities as I think about how people are putting out what they are sent, what they've been given, their talents, their gifts, the messages that they hold for other folks, how they've been putting themselves out there and what that has to do with the birthing process. I do want to say two things because I realized I didn't last time let y'all know everything is okay. I think that's the first question that people ask, like, are are you all right? I didn't even know you were pregnant. How's it going? And it's been going fine. (laughs) It's been pretty uneventful, which is great. I've been very healthy for the most part. Of course, I told y'all I'm tired, but that's to be expected. There's been so much unlearning and lots of connecting the dots, lots of deeply engaging or re-engaging in relationships that matter a lot to me. In the midst of that, I told y'all last time, we also did move. So there was a big shift in healthcare that we needed to make, which I definitely want to talk about. But overall, I've been great. So please, please do not worry. (laughs) Somebody asked me that. Are you okay? I didn't even know you were pregnant. I'm fine. I'm great. And the other piece is that I want to be very mindful and intentional. I know that Even mentioning the word birth is activating for some folks. So as a content warning, if that is the case, then I'm going to be saying birthing a lot. I'm going to be talking about 
my pregnancy journey, be talking about healthcare, be talking about ancestors and pregnancy. I'll be talking about identity as it relates to pregnancy as part of my story, not the whole thing, but part of my story. So if that is activating or potentially if loss is part of your birthing journey, you might want to tread lightly. And I encourage folks to take care of themselves in a way that makes sense for you. But overall, I just want to remind folks that I do think that this is universal. So it may be helpful for you to think about what you're producing, right? What you're putting onto the world and how you're showing up. The pandemic, for all its terribleness, there's so much to mourn and grieve about. There's also so much to get excited about. There's so much newness. People are starting businesses. I think I saw the stat the other day. In the last quarter, folks starting businesses was up like three times what it normally is, which astounded me. People are thinking differently about their contributions to the world and what matters to them. It's beautiful to see. I'm just excited for the portal that this pandemic has created. And it's also shifted the way that we are and what we offer to community. I've seen so many ways that people have shown up differently, how people have given differently, how people engage differently just because we're in a pandemic. And it's forced us to look at ourselves and look at others a little more critically, look at the way we spend time in all of these pieces. I want to share three birthing lessons for you to keep in mind on your journey as you are producing, developing, sharing, being visible out in the world. And the first one is that you cannot forget that wherever you are, however you are, whatever you're doing, you are birthing within an institution. You are birthing within an institution. I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but what I do mean is it will be so important for you to understand and know the rules of that institution so you can figure out how to play, if you even want to play, or if you want to get around them. For me, in the actual birthing process of <laughs> thinking about a human baby. For me, I had to look at healthcare and what my friend, shout out to Bealika, who called it the natal industrial complex, which I could talk about all day long. But what was most critical and urgent for me to look at and think about was how healthcare and the natal industrial complex, if it actually is a thing, was impacting me. I was in Atlanta and I was going to a doctor who's part of a clinic setting. And I was really excited to be in that clinic because all of the practitioners and all of the admin folks, including logistics folks, were Black people. Most of them were Black women. All the doctors were Black women. They had a certified nurse midwife on staff, also a Black woman. And they had a registered nurse on staff who was Black. The support staff and men folks, the logistics folks were all black, mostly black women. I did see a couple uh, black men up in there as well, or people who I assumed to be black men, but their clinic really boasts like we are a clinic of black women. So that was our selling point. And I was really excited to access their services and be a part of that system. And I know that for a lot of black folks who are birthing, the journey of getting pregnant and all of the pieces that that entails, including doctors believing our symptoms and treating us for pain and listening to us, listen to our bodies <laughs> and honor the ways that we have birthed for centuries doesn't happen. And we typically see that happen at the hands of white doctors. 
And so when you look at the statistics, they do say that Black folks have a better chance with Black doctors. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, my story was that that wasn't necessarily the case. And I think where I got stuck was expecting that because I see a Black woman in front of me or multiple Black women, that automatically my experience would be much better than if I would have seen a white doctor. And maybe it would have. I don't know the answer to that because that is still to be tested. What I do know is that the clinic that I was going to, it's part of a system and it's part of an institution. And so are those doctors. Now, of course, they are individuals carrying out the rules of the system. They have to play by the system. They have to see a certain number of people a day. They have to record their records in a certain way. They have to make decisions on based on liability and based on capacity and based on longevity and sustainability. None of those decisions necessarily were centered around the birthing parent or parents and the child in my experience. Going to that clinic, I had such a hard time both with the logistics of my appointments as well as the substance of them. I saw four different providers throughout the course of my treatment there in the first trimester and a half. A lot went wrong. I will just say that everything from billing and the wrong appointments and calling the wrong person back there, having the wrong charts, I would ask questions and they wouldn't respond or they would give me a wrong response or they would respond to someone else's question on my question through my portal, my private portal. So I'm not even sure how that happened, but also just the treatment. I was told that I only have 15 minutes to be with the doctor and ask questions. And it was marked in my chart when I went over. So <laughs> I was I was reprimanded through my chart that I was asking too many questions. I had one provider who spoke to me in a disrespectful and demeaning manner. I had another provider who literally ran out of the room as soon as we finished our exam and would not allow me to ask questions. Knowing the institution that you are up against <laughs> will help you make some decisions. Now, I did some research, of course. My partner and I, we found out that Georgia is one of the worst states in the United States for Black women to give birth. I think they're actually number one right now, if not two. They might be two in uh, 2021. But there is a system at play. They would not let my partner in. He did not go to any of my appointments in that first trimester, none of the ultrasounds. And this was an opportunity for me to put my values into action. Not to say that I shouldn't be treated this way because I'm better than folks. I was so very clear that this was not okay for anybody to be treated like this. And it infuriated me to the nth degree when I did actually lodge a complaint after having lots of privilege to be able to do. I just want to be very clear. Like I had to go to two different websites. I had to call Emory. I had to get someone's direct line. I had to call three times. I had to pretend like I was calling for one thing and then sneak got this guy on the phone so I could talk to him about something else. And then I sent a long email, right? So I had time and access and privilege and language to be able to navigate that institution. And in the end, he said something like, no one's ever really complained. <laughs> and I was like, I, with all the privilege that I hold, had a really hard time finding this. So when I think about the healthcare piece of it, when I think about how these apps and these sites and these, even the registries, how they're selling us things, 
how they're selling this gender. That's a whole separate podcast. (laughs) What the experience is supposed to look like, feel like, and be like. There is so much that I had to unlearn because I saw a lot of things on TV that were not true. I saw a lot of things on these mom, motherhood, parental websites that just weren't true. And I found out they're connected to this institutional piece that they're trying to sell you something, capitalism. They are contributing to gender dynamics, gender roles, and a gender binary, right? Like we could talk about the role of patriarchy and sexism here, cis sexism. We could also talk about how this industry is connected to other industries. It wasn't until I got pregnant that I found out that The Knot, which is a website for people who are getting married, has a sister site called The Nest, which is the site you go to when you get a house so you can make a registry. And then they have a third sister site, which is called The Bump. And all three of them funnel into each other because that's what you do, right? You get married and then you get a house and then you have a baby and they want to be there for all of your special moments, AKA write articles about symptoms that you might have that sell you stuff that they are affiliates for. So you can't even trust the information that they put on there. And I, it was even part of some of these like chat rooms and these back rooms where folks are having conversation and talking about being involved in on the bump, but not yet having a child or not yet being partnered and like seeing some of the longing for folks to participate in these institutions, not having the criteria in order to participate just yet. So I just, I think it's really important that we figure out how to develop a sense of what are the rules of the space here so that we can get support both inside and outside that system because we have options. And again, shout out to Bayalika for that. We got options, y'all. We don't have to play by these rules. It would help us to be strategic. We do have to be strategic. And that's what we did. We had lots of privilege to be able to move, shift healthcare, shift healthcare providers. We had languages and frameworks to talk about why we didn't want to participate in some of that NATO industrial complex. We built a team that was affirming and validating of our choices. And everybody doesn't always get that. So for you, whatever you're birthing, a manuscript, a workshop, a talk, a message, a podcast, maybe it's a book, maybe it is a human, whatever it is, be clear about the norms of the institution that you're entering. Sometimes they're hidden, right? We might call it, what, what is being professional here? What's appropriate here? And we use these markers to show what that means. In some industries, looking at your resume, that's the marker. Or like, how many years have you worked in certain jobs? That's the marker, right? See how capitalism, see how patriarchy, see how white supremacy, those the big three are at play in the institution that you're entering. What do you need to get clear on before you enter? Again, I've talked about this in one of the solo episodes that some of the constraints are real. Like, for example, if I stayed in Georgia, I could not actually have transferred to hospitals because of some of the constraints. I would have had to go at least an hour and a half away to another place. And they didn't take people after a certain amount of weeks because of liability. <laughs> They're like, if you've been seen by someone else, you can't come over here because maybe you heard something you didn't want to hear or you're high risk in some way. And we don't want to take that on. 
my options, quote unquote, were limited there in terms of the hospital setting. And I wanted to do something different, right? On the other hand, getting clear on those norms may make you not want to enter that institution at all. And I have talked to people, heard about folks who, because of the statistics, because of folks' experience in these industries, in these institutions, they don't want to even try. They don't want to try for a kid. They don't want to try for the job. They don't want to try for that sector. They don't even want to try for that industry. And that's okay too. I want folks to know and be clear that everything is an institution. Everything is an institution, even organizing, something that we feel like we do outside of a system. And this I heard from Dr. Angela Davis and Adrian Marie Brown. They were having a conversation about transformation. And I think they were they're talking about abolition. And what they were talking about was the fact that there's room for transformation everywhere, anywhere that you're at, whether you're solely inside an institution, maybe you're trying to be subversive or you're working outside of it, but that there's room and space for transformation wherever you're at. So know that you will have to figure out the rules. What are the rules of the space? How can you navigate? Do you want to navigate? And how can you build your options both in and outside of that space? The second lesson for birthing people that I would love to share (laughs) is around the fact that birthing is an ancestral process. It is ancestral work. I believe that birthing changes the course of history. I think there's clear ways that people know and understand that because we are birthing humans who shift the course of history. But I think in terms of timelines, my own as well as this planet, I think the birthing process and the birthing journey is one of ancestral work. My therapist in Portland shared this with me, but then my therapist who I met in Atlanta reinforced this. And it blew my mind. It is the fact that female children, female identified children are born with all the eggs that they'll ever have. So think about that. From the time a female child is born, they are born with all the eggs that they will ever have, including the one that might be fertilized later in life. Which means for me that my grandmother's womb experience is directly tied to me. When my grandmother was in my great grandmother's womb, my grandmother had all of the eggs that she would have in her lifetime, including the one that would lead to my mother being born. And when my mother was being fertilized (laughs) in my grandmother's womb, she had all the eggs that she would ever have in her lifetime within her mother's womb. And I, when I was born, I had all the eggs that I would ever have in my lifetime in my mother's womb. So there's a literal connection between what has happened and what has come before. And birthing for me has been a journey of connecting these stories, these experiences into a tapestry of my experience. I know that who, who and what has come before me has definitely influenced my life and my choices now. And to get us here, it took lots of many miracles. And maybe they weren't many, maybe they're huge. I actually think the idea of birthing a human is a miraculous thing. And that's a whole different podcast. Or maybe it's not because 
<laughs> There's so much information about it. So much is happening. Your body is shifting. Mind is shifting. And it's involuntary. Like I'm not sitting up here like, oh, I really want to grow a toenail today. It just happens. So for me, how this applies to anyone, regardless of what you're birthing or who you're birthing, is that there's some ancestral mathematics happening for you to be here. A while ago, there was a meme going around that I'll certainly post around the ancestral mathematics for you to get here today. So for you to, if you were to be born today, there's these ancestral mathematics that said that basically you would have to have had 12 generations of 4,000 plus, 4,000 plus ancestors in order for you to be here today. You need two parents, four grandparents, eight great grands, 16 second great grands, 32 third great grands, 64 fourth great grands, 128 fifth great grands, 256 sixth great grands, 512 seventh great grandparents, 1,024 eighth great grandparents, 2,048 ninth great grandparents, and 12 generations, 4,094 ancestors over the last 400 years. Can you imagine what it took for you to get here? And the meme goes on to say, think for a minute, how many struggles, how many battles, how many difficulties, how much sadness, how much happiness, how many love stories, how many expressions of hope for the future did your ancestors have to undergo for you to exist in this present moment? This is divine, y'all. This is not an accident. This is not like a, well, I just fell into it. <laughs> y'all, the gift that you have is divine. Your purpose is divine. And the fact that you are here to spread it is also, right? The place, the timing, your gift is all unique. It has been set up for centuries. People sacrificed you into this realm. They prayed you into this realm. Yes, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. So as you are doing this work, as you are birthing a human or your cure or your invention or your script or whatever it is that you're birthing, remember that someone else came before you and a lot of someone's came before you so we could exist differently on this plane. If you're having trouble, if you're having difficulty, if you are unsure about the, that ancestral mathematics and how special you are, please, please, please tap into your roots, get to know your timelines and think about the descendants of those timelines. We got community, y'all, right? To understand more about the ancestral part of your offering. How is it tied together? Unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, we're not thinking of things that are brand, brand new. I do believe that there are original ideas. There are innovative ideas. There are ideas that certain groups of people haven't heard. And they came from somewhere. They have an origin story. They are an amalgamation of something. And those some things are who and what has come before you. So treat your birthing process like it is ancestral work because it is. And lastly, this is my third lesson. Y'all know I like to share two or three and we're on our third. The birthing process for me has also been a process of self-discovery. And I think this again applies to everybody. I 
have gained a new permanent life identity. I gain parental status for life, (laughs) y'all. Right? It's parent for me. So again, for you, that might be author. When you write, you are a writer. When you publish a book, you are an author. When you create something, you're a creator. Maybe you're a disruptor, a discoverer, again, an inventor, a curer, an artist. Whatever it is, you, as you birth that thing, that skill, that message, that divine calling and purpose, you gain a new permanent life identity. Your impact could be tiny. It could be just one other person. It could be just for yourself. It could be the notes that you scribble on the back of your notebook and you keep to yourself. It could be that thing that you've hid in your Google Drive. Google Drive, folks. It could be something that lots of people have heard, seen, taken in, or been impacted by. It's not about numbers. This for me has been so important to realize that this journey, yes, it's about me meeting my child, Earthside. Very excited about that. Yes, it's about how my life will change. The relationships I have will change. But mostly it will be about getting to meet another version of myself, which I'm really, really excited for. I heard someone say this. This was way before I got pregnant. It was probably a year before. And it was something like everybody's always excited to meet their new child or their child Earthside. And they don't think about the new version of themselves that they'll be meeting too. And so it's been really wild to think about that. As part of our preparation for this baby and for parenthood, we've been doing lots of reading. Two books I highly recommend, in particular, Parenting for Liberation and raising free people, we are just seeing how much of our own work and our identity impacts our parenting, right? We want to raise free people. How do we do that best? We got to be free ourselves. Oh, we actually got work to do, right? Like we want our kids to see themselves as beautiful, as worthy, as enough, as whole. We got to do that ourselves. The best way to do that is to model. And here it brings me to some more of Sonia Renee Taylor's words. She was talking about the new edition of her book. And she was talking about how all of our radical self-love journeys are tied together because she sees it show up so often, whether it's in organizations or in relationships or with loved ones or with strangers. When we doubt our capacity for divinity, we get in the way of others who are in search of their own. So people who want to be free, who want to be worthy, who want to be enough. If we don't have the capacity to hold that within ourselves, we will always squash that part in other people. And it's so apparent, once again, apparent. (laughs) It's so clear to me as parents, those folks who have the range and the capacity to allow their kids to be who they want to be and who they're meant to be, And the parents who are tightly holding on to and trying to control and tell them what's appropriate and what's right and what's easy and what's not embarrassing and all of these things. Now, I want to be clear. I really want to be clear, especially as I think about Black parents and parents of Black children. I know that a lot of the ways that we have parented in the past are related to our own trauma. We thought that 
teaching our children certain ways of being and doing would keep them safe. It would keep them from getting killed. It would keep them from getting on Mass's bad side. It would keep them from getting locked up. It would keep them from these quote unquote bad outcomes. I want to honor where the spirit of that action came from, right? That it came from a desire for children to be safe and secure and happy and alive. And I want to recognize that we have other ways and other mechanisms through which to ensure our child's safety. One of them being that they get to be themselves in the world. I also know that, (laughs) especially in this day and age, there are ways in which Black parents police their children or control their children in ways that our institutions don't just yet. And so instead of being exposed to the harshness of an institution, parents will do that to their children because they don't want them to be surprised when they come up against it in the system. Or they don't want it to be the first time that they are receiving punishment or shame or whatever it might be from those systems. And so we actually take the actions, take on the actions of or enact those system outcomes on our kids without them even knowing or asking for it or wanting to be exposed to that. And so I want to be clear about the meaning making that I'm having around that, which is not that there was a bad parenting style or not that folks who police and control their children are not doing it right or something like that. More so, I can have a lot of compassion for not only the ways in which I was parented and continue to be parented because I know where the root of that came from. I know where the intention came from. I understand how trauma is implicated in that and the access or lack of access that our parents had to mental health care and community care and healthy family relationships and all those pieces. I can see all of that. And I also see that this birthing process, however and whatever you are birthing, has to do with discovering how you want it to go for yourself. You have a lot of leeway and a lot of power to define what it means for you to birth this thing. I'm just gonna be really honest. It hasn't been without its ups and downs. Birthing a human for me has been a roller coaster of emotions. Like first I was surprised. Then I was like, wait, are we sure we wanna do this? Then I was like worried, is this gonna happen? Or I don't really wanna get too attached if it's not gonna happen. Should I raise a black kid in 2021? Should I have a baby in a pandemic? Should I have a baby in an era where like, literally black folks are in danger, right? The government is is failing us and lying. All these questions. It's not like a smooth sailing. Oh yeah, I was joyful the whole time. I did, however, make a commitment to doing things differently, to engaging in that ancestral work, to knowing and understanding more about these institutions and where my agency was within and outside of them. And so this process of self-discovery of who I want to be and how I want to be It's been life-changing. It really has been life-changing. I hope that it models a different way of being for my kid. So again, I know everyone is not birthing a human, but as I think about all of the wonderful and magical things that y'all are up to in the world, I just want you to remember that the self-discovery piece is part of birthing. Like for most folks, and I talked about this in the last episode, but for most folks, it's not just about our talent. Like we're clear on what we're sent to do. Most of us, some of us need a little help seeing it. 
little a little help honing it. But like most of us know, I want to do this. I want to say this. I want to write this. I want to be this. I want to try on this. We know that. We know that very, very well. We know our calling. And yet something is getting in the way, right? Y'all know, I said it last season. When I, I started a podcast last year, I did not like the sound of my voice. That has nothing to do with this podcast. It has nothing to do with the message. It has nothing to do with the method. It literally is like my own stuff that I needed to deal with. I was worried about what people would think. I was worried about being wrong. I was worried about being visible. And I hear y'all, I see y'all worried about getting the scaries because you're at a new stage of life. Oh, now I got to put this thing out there. Oh, now I got to show up and do the thing because I said I do the thing. Or, okay, now I'm at a new plateau and I actually got to perform. So remember that you're not starting from scratch just because you're starting at a new place, just because you're dealing with new things that come with visibility, just because there are different questions to answer or maybe some different logistics of how you move. There isn't a direct line from your talent to putting it out there. There's a journey somewhere in that middle. There's so much self-work, so much self-study, so much self-discovery along that path. So my suggestion is to try to fall in love with that journey. Try to get excited about meeting that new version of yourself, that new permanent identity that you'll be getting. Don't rush it. Don't demean it. Don't wish you were somewhere else because guess what? When you weren't here, you were wishing you were here. And then now you're here and now you're wishing you're somewhere else. So you're not even being present, not even enjoying it. You're not even being attuned to what's happening. Celebrate, try to mark this. Maybe there's a ritual that makes sense for you periodically or sporadically. Remember it. And y'all know how I feel about remember. It's not just memory like your brain. How can you codify it within your body? How do you embody it? How do you do the thing that you've been talking about doing, knowing that you're creating paths for other people, their family, and doing these extraordinary things? I also know that this is connected to the second point I shared because sometimes as part of our ancestral work, we are sent to clear some things, to remove some barriers make a way, make some opportunities happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise, that are patterns from our ancestors. So you have to clear what has been so you can become. And I'm encouraging folks to do that work. I know sometimes it seems scary. It seems trite, like, oh, I'm discovering myself. But it really is a process of you sitting and falling in love with the new version. And it's not a drastically different it might be a drastically different you, but it's not not you. I don't know how else to say that. I actually think that we are born with all of the potential and all of who we could and should be. And over time, we chip away at that. So we hide parts of ourselves. We pretend we don't care about certain things. We protect ourselves and we cut off parts of ourselves. So these new identities that you might be gaining, I think they were always inside of you. You just might not have had them at the forefront or you might have been hiding them. I would encourage you to get back to yourself. This process of self-discovery is getting back to who you truly are. And that is something that all of us who are birthing can get into. Sadly, I'm at the end of the mid-season finale, y'all. So I'll be signing off for the final time until you hear back from me in August after the hiatus. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I cannot thank y'all enough. It has been a pleasure serving you all and communicating with you all through the airwaves all over the world. Like I got a shout out to my both domestic and international fam. Y'all have been putting in work telling your cousins in Latvia and Barbados and all the different parts of Russia, <laughs> like looking at these provinces and countries. I'm like, I have not heard of half of these places. And yet we got people listening in Zimbabwe and Sweden and St. Vincent and the Grenadines and Rwanda and Portugal and Slovenia and the Czech Republic and Bhutan right? Like Turkey, what's up? Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Botswana, Singapore, Bahrain, the Cayman Islands, Austria, Philippines, Japan, Puerto Rico, what's up? Puerto Rico, Namibia, Bermuda. And when I really say there's so many more, so I I could shout out, (laughs) I could do this all day. I'm like somebody's cousin in this country, listen, and maybe they told their cousin and maybe they told their play cousin and their friend and then their uncle and then their boo and and all of a sudden we're at number one on the charts for that country so i want to thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for listening wherever you are in the u.s and outside of it i appreciate you please continue to share with your cousins and play cousins and with that i will sign off All right. So if you like the show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. When you subscribe on your platform of choice, as soon as an episode uploads, it will be downloaded to your device. So make sure you like, favorite, subscribe. And if you have a few minutes, please leave a review. Apple Podcasts makes it really easy to do so. You can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter at T-N-W-I-D and also on Instagram at Take Nothing When I Die, all spelled out. If you want to build community with us in a different way, check out patreon.com slash T-N-W-I-D. Over on Patreon, we've got videos of the podcast if you like visuals, more tidbits and takeaways from me. And even better, a community of living ancestors. These folks are loyal fans and supporters of the podcast. They are able to ask questions of me. And there's some exclusive content that you will literally not see anywhere else on the internet from me. So head on over to Patreon to join that community. If you are feeling generous, and if you got it like that, and you want to give some coin, you can always do so through a one-time donation, which supports the production of this podcast, as well as my coaching and consulting work. You can find me on PayPal at paypal.com slash Stephanie Ghostin, just my name. On Venmo, it's Stephanie-Ghostin, and you'll see a picture of me. And on Cash App, it's the dollar sign S-L-G-H-O-S-T-O, S-L-Gosto. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes page. StephanieGhostin.com slash T-N-W-I-D is where I house all of the episodes as well as the show notes. It's there. You'll find all the links that I've mentioned, both to social media, to the Patreon page, to the donation links, as well as more information about our guests and all the resources mentioned during the show. So if you miss something or you're like, what was the spelling of that one thing that so-and-so named, or you just want to see some great artwork, 
memes, and doodles, go on over to my site, stephanieghoston.com slash T-N-W-I-D. This is my time, y'all. I have to sign off. Again, this is your host, Stephanie Ghoston Paul. I'm bringing you the Take Nothing When I Die podcast, and I'm leaving you with your reminder that you are a living ancestor. Take care and hope to talk soon.